How's it going, guys? This is Greg Ferris, the founder and host of the MyoBrain podcast. The episode today will be on holiday eating Q&A, Thanksgiving really Q&A. We pulled questions from our clients from both of our Instagrams. Uh, Today I have Jesse Hill, our newest MyoBrain coach with us today. So I think we picked six or seven questions to go over. We kind of do them uh, pretty rapid fire. And we'll also have another podcast coming on uh, later this week that touches upon just like our general recommendations for Thanksgiving, kind of what to do in the beginning of the week, the day of the week, and kind of a few days afterwards. So we wanted to separate things into kind of a Q&A episode and then more of a general recommendation episode. Um, and then lastly, if you guys are interested in our nutrition coaching services, you can go to myobrain.co to learn more about um, both Jesse and I and Katie and McKay, who I probably said her name wrong again today. Um, but yeah, we'll jump into things. Uh, also, uh, to quickly introduce Jesse, you can learn more about him. We interviewed him and talked about his journey of doing his first Ironman uh, earlier this year in episode nine of, of our podcast too. So you can jump in there. Uh, Jesse, anything you want to add before we get to these these fun questions? Uh, no, I mean, I think that pretty much covers it. You know, there's a lot of uh, good information on the website and I'm just stoked to be part of the MyoBrain team now. And, uh, you know, I always think it's funny how much um, holiday foods and navigating holiday foods come up this time of the year. Obviously, it makes sense with like Thanksgiving, Christmas coming up, but that is such a like hot topic. You know, people want to know how to navigate the pies and the turkey and the the family situations. And uh, I think it's just interesting seeing all that pop up this time of the year, you know? Yeah, I think uh, a really good point would be if people cared about their food intake year round, as much as they do the week of Thanksgiving, they're probably in a pretty good position, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's a lot. People know it's like, oh, this is a bad week, but like, you know, for a lot of people, just like the first week of football season could be just as problematic for them as, as Thanksgiving could be, you know. Um, yep. But yeah, we'll jump into things. And again, this is strictly Q&A. And then we'll put out a very quick five or 10 minute episode on just really general uh, thoughts about Thanksgiving week too. Some of that will definitely bleed over into our discussion here. But make sure you check that out as well uh, on the podcast. So um, question one, and we'll kind of just each jump in on these um, for for each of them. So question one was uh, portion control of various pies. So obviously a big thing with Thanksgiving early at holiday is depending upon your, your group of people you're with, there could be a pumpkin and there could be a cheesecake and there could be a chocolate pie and all of those things. Uh, I touched upon this. I'm not sure where I got this cheesy quote from, but I'm not a cheesy quote person, but this definitely I think works in this context, uh, especially with desserts. But I mentioned this a few years ago, I think in the context of like Thanksgiving Christmas eating out, whatever. Um, And it was the idea of when you're surrounded by a lot of different options, having the mindset of eating what you love and then leaving what you like is a really good way to A, control the portion sizes, obviously, because you're leaving some on the table, uh, but also really get an enjoyment out of what you're choosing, right? So if you've really been looking forward to like, if you're the creepy person that likes pecan pie, right? And 
you've really been looking forward to that to that pecan pie like i would much rather someone have like a big slice of that pecan pie like really really get a lot of enjoyment out of that and if they're kind of like ho-hum on pumpkin to then just not have it right so that's kind of what my general recommendation for people is to eat what you love really enjoy the desserts or pies in this context and then if you're kind of on the fence of like I kind of like pumpkin pie. Like, just don't get it. Like, don't be the person that just like gets pumpkin pie because it's it's Thanksgiving. If you really don't love it, so that would be my uh, general t- thoughts on portion control of various pies or just other miscellaneous desserts. You know. Yeah, I, I like that that quote. Um, I would agree. Like, some of these quotes tend to be super cheesy, but. <laughs> Um, I feel like it really fits in this context. And I think another big thing too is like recognizing when cravings kick in um, and just like how to navigate that. So like for me, um, I, I would say that like you probably shouldn't start with pie, right? Like make sure that you actually load up on some of the the Thanksgiving staples like turkey, for example, and um, having like a good balanced Thanksgiving meals um, also going to basically um, indirectly steer you away from over consuming on the pies, in my opinion. So really loading up on on protein and some of those, um, you know, dense food choices, like even like if there's like potatoes in there, whatever it may be, just having a good size Thanksgiving meal so that when the pies do come out, like, yeah, you might want to have a little slice to just like have that sweet tooth um craving curbed but at the same time like you're already kind of content from the big thanksgiving meal you had so uh it's less likely that you'll just you know eat an entire french soak pie or whatever it is yeah that that's a great point of preparation right going into that that situation is much much easier if you're not super hungry um with the pies and really like most thanksgiving foods aren't terribly unhealthy right like some of them can be higher in fat than usual like people are putting like cream and butter and and mashed potatoes and and things like that but there's definitely ways that if you just ate like a thanksgiving meal and you were like a, a bodybuilder two weeks out and needed to weigh everything out you probably could do pretty well that's like you said like things you know most people have some vegetables at thanksgiving definitely going to be like a lot of meat so if that's what your meal is looking like it'd be a lot more less likely to just overindulge on desserts and like you said try not to like sneak in a whole bunch of desserts before you've had food that day so okay uh question two is not really a question and this was also brought by uh one of my friends so uh but i kind of turned this into a, a topic that i think is is good for for thanksgiving so he just responded i think my my question on instagram was what do you struggle with during thanksgiving week or something like that and he just put boozing so which obviously if you're if you're not as cool as him it means drinking alcohol um so again you know as far as like say if the person was i struggle with over consuming alcohol during the holidays is what he meant to say i also like to kind of paint this in a picture for people of because you're i don't recommend people track on thanksgiving or christmas or those days so you have to be a little bit more intuitive with your approach so i've always kind of told people like kind of falls in love with eat what you love leave what you like but to kind of either pick alcohol or desserts as your indulgence for the day so obviously you're going to have like turkey and potatoes and stuffing um and that's not really going to get you in too much trouble and i really even think if people have like real food quote unquote and then have like 
a few glasses of wine, that won't get them in trouble. But if they stack like pumpkin pie, a few glasses of wine, and a lot of food, especially because you can eat a lot more calories when you're getting it from a different variety of sources because you don't have that like palate fatigue, that's where the calories can really add up. So I tell people as far as desserts and alcohol, kind of like pick one to to go for and indulge in and the other one you can like have something but try to make it like super minimal like literally having if you're gonna have a lot of desserts you're just having like one drink or if you're gonna have like five or six drinks have like one dessert um so that's kind of what i'd recommend to people is really look at desserts and alcohol as both really dense calorie options that get you in trouble as you can pretty much eliminate one of those and enjoy the other that can help you control the damage from from boozing you know yeah yeah boozing um yeah no i think that's a good point uh, i like the approach of picking um one of the two and kind of you know taking that road uh, i mean one of the things you said is uh it's easier when you have a variety of sources of foods and drinks or whatever to like n- neglect like that palate fatigue and calories just stack up because um it's just so easy to consume in all these different directions so i think that's the big picture here to to keep in mind is that really what's going to be the issue here is overall um calories consumed throughout the day so a lot of clients that i work with um i just tried to get them to bank up some calories for this meal. So uh, leading up to the family get together or Thanksgiving dinner, you know, sticking to leaner proteins and uh, fibrous veggies so that like you have a good amount of calories left for the rest of the day so that you don't, um, you know, exceed your caloric intake um, for that day. Because like you said, if you start drinking a lot and then eating all these desserts and have a giant Thanksgiving dinner, uh, you're likely to be in a large surplus, which is going to lead to that weight gain the next day. So, um, but I mean, if you're specifically talking about boozing, I think some of the easy ways to just keep that in line is like, take a look at like the mixers that you're using, you know, um, use zero calorie mixers, diet sodas. Um, and I guess pick a number, like have in mind, like, oh, today I'm going to limit myself to, I don't know, if it's three drinks, like stick to that. Um, so, you know, roughly like where you're going to be at the end of the day, as far as like, you know, the calories that you've consumed. So yeah, I think that's the big picture is just really keeping in mind and having that awareness of like, okay, how many calories have I consumed today and how many drinks or desserts do I think I can fit in like what I've left for my calories for the day yeah yeah and i think uh you could be that person that's carrying around the claw you know i think claws are so hot right now the claws um, are yeah um there's also i didn't think about this till you started talking but the there's obviously higher and lower calorie alcohol drinks right yep. desserts are really hard to tell especially if you're not making them what's like i couldn't tell you what's higher in calorie pumpkin pie or chocolate cake or whatever and it's probably doesn't matter um but alcohol there's there's a pretty big variance in between some of those things you can have a beer that's like 75 calories and a beer that's 200 calories and it's just looks like a beer so that's obviously something to keep keep in mind but that context i think plays into role of if it's just thanksgiving dinner like again have a margarita if you want to i don't care um if it's just one drink one meal but if it's more of like a two or three week thing then that's i think where the actual decision of alcohol you're making is going to matter a lot more if it's, you know, 
thousands of calories you're consuming over a few weeks of alcohol, then making a, a lighter or a lower calorie decision can kind of help uh, negate that yeah. too. But um, cool. Desserts are super hard to gauge. I mean, yeah. I, I remember I was in a line for a coffee shop. I think it was Starbucks a few weeks ago and they had that little bakery area where they have, you know, cookies and bars or whatever. And they actually list the calories next to them. And it was just mind blowing that like the chocolate chip cookie, which in my opinion, wasn't even that big was like, I think 450 or 500 calories. Yeah. It's crazy. That's like such a, so loaded, you know, (laughs) for how small of a cookie that was. It's literally like every bite is like 50 calories. It's like, (laughs) it blows your mind how that's even possible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Baked, baked goods are, I can't think besides obviously just like oil or butter. Um, baked goods are by far the most dense calories you can consume. You can, I'm not shitting people. You can consume a thousand calories and not feel full of baked goods if you're hungry. Like it's, it's a very different ball game than, um, eating like food. So, uh, okay. I'll, ha- I'll let you take the lead on question three. So the question was, Uh, We got this question like three or four times in different variations, Uh, but I kind of summarized it in how to navigate food. This is this is a good one. How to navigate food people bring into work, um, food laying out. So this isn't really particular to Thanksgiving, but just like, hey, it's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving and my coworker brought in cookies and they're always sitting there and my coworker beside me is eating, you know, these things. Like, how do you navigate? uh, What's your strategy for that? Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of ties a little bit into the first question. You know, um, I think having uh, a good approach to, you know, when you have your lunches or your meals at work or snacks, having that be consistent so that um, you basically know when you're going to be eating throughout the day and you have a way to manage, you know, those hunger um those hunger responses that you get throughout the day so that you don't like just I guess randomly uh, reach for for snacks that are laying around because you have a way to curb your hunger. But also, I like the like out of sight, out of mind approach. Just you know, trying to keep um, <laughs> the cookies and candy bars or whatever it is uh, as far away from you as possible because um, you know if it's not around you, you're less likely to consume it. Uh, and then if you do have these cravings, um, think about what outlets you have. Like I just actually read something on how diet soda has been shown to be. Uh, a, a great way to curb like a sweet craving without adding those excess calories. Um, so I think just preparation here is the key, whether it's through the meals that you have set throughout the workday or having a plan if you have a really large sweet craving that kicks in, um, how you're going to handle that, whether it's a, a snack that you have or uh, maybe like a, a diet soda or a zero calorie drink to to curb that sweet tooth. Yeah, that that's a that's a good tip there with that's kind of the same avenue i was going down with you're obviously way less likely to indulge in something if you prevent yourself from getting hungry in the first place right so like if if um say like if i had a job and i was going to be there from like eight until noon and like in an office setting Say if I ate breakfast at seven o'clock, I probably, I tend to get hungry pretty quickly. So I probably would get hungry before lunch. So knowing that, all right, like my desk would probably have like, you know, protein bars in there or like packing some fruit or something like that. Or 
I'm obsessed with skinny almonds right now, which aren't that healthy, but <laughs> they're better than cookies, I guess. Uh, I would always have that stuff like on my desk or like when I was in school, I did that all the time where I really didn't know when I was gonna be done with studying or class. Even if I wasn't gonna eat it, I always just were prepared with some fruit or a protein bar or something like that. Cause I didn't want to like just go to the, you know, uh, union and get like a chicken sandwich or something like that. It just didn't really fit well with me. So um, yeah, just preventing yourself from getting hungry like that uh, by having your own snacks there. You know, you have an alternative to what that is as opposed to if you don't have an alternative and it's really delicious, those odds really stacking up against you. So that's how I would, uh, we would go about navigating food, people bringing to work, food laying out. And I think this can be a pretty big issue for people because it's, a lot of it is mindless and you don't really change your your behaviors around it. Meaning like it's really easy if you normally just eat breakfast and lunch and you normally don't have a snack to just have like two cookies as a snack, but then your lunch is the same. So you're just adding like 500 calories to your day every single day, right? Versus even if you eat like an unhealthy lunch, it tends to displace calories from a healthy lunch, right? So you still like, if you ate chicken nuggets for lunch and that's 800 calories and your normal lunch was 600, you're not gonna eat chicken nuggets and your normal lunch, right? So those mindless snacks can really be an issue for people because you don't, you do not um, compensate for, for that later, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I can, actually one example I can think of was just this last Friday. Um, I, I work also in a, in a corporate setting right now and um, I eat breakfast before I go to work. So I have my eggs and oats or whatever, pancakes, whatever it may be. Um, and I show up at work very content, you know, I'm not, I'm full and I don't really want anything. And it's very common, especially on Fridays for coworkers to bring in donuts. Uh, I work in Minneapolis, so there's, there's tons of like bakeries in the Skyway. And um, when those donuts were brought out, everybody was going over and grabbing donuts. And like, there's nothing inherently wrong with donuts, but at that time, I was content because I had a good sized breakfast and some coffee and like a donut didn't even really sound appealing to me. You know, it's um, so I think it's just like preparation and like recognizing like what your plan is and, you know, kind of sticking to that, even though there's all these random other things that might be going on in the office. Yeah, that, that's a great tip. And even for people that skipping breakfast right now is super cool. IF, right? Um, even for people that maybe typically, I don't have a problem people skipping breakfast. It, it can be perfectly fine if they want to. Um, but if you maybe are a person that typically eats, that does not eat breakfast and you really don't have treats around your office, it's not a problem for you year round, but now it's a holiday season and there are all these treats, it may be a good time to actually add it in breakfast so you aren't indulging in that, right? So it could be a good just change in your overall routine that could prevent you from, from making a mistake, so. All right, moving on to question four. Uh, I'll lead this since one of my old clients asked this, and I think this is a thing I've been asked uh, quite a few times since, since coaching people. So the question is, uh, convincing family members that I'm not starving myself if I decide not to eat holiday treats or indulgent foods, right? So I've discussed this probably on a podcast before, just in general content that, um, a lot of our clients do deal with this idea 
if they're trying to like lose weight or be healthy or whatever their goals are, maybe some people close to them that don't have those same goals tend not to understand it very well, right? Just it's not their goals. They don't want to lose weight or maybe they don't have like the courage or the drive of the moment to want to do that. And they end up sort of uh, putting that back on you of like, oh, you look great. You don't need to lose any weight or like you're too skinny or something like that. Like those comments are, I, I hear from my clients quite a bit, right? Um, so obviously I would never tell someone to like give in to that. I would just try to understand, like, you no, know, try to come from like an empathetic standpoint of when people are telling you that. 90% of the time, it is because like they feel a little bit insecure in the fact that you're deciding to make a healthy decision and they don't have really the willpower or the drive or whatever to do that currently, right? So if you kind of come with that of just like, you know, it's fine, like it's just my decision and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat this way, I think is a good way to, to kind of go about that without feeling like either peer pressure to do it or feeling like angry about it. Right, feeling like you're attacked because that's that's generally what I see with people who, either like their family members, their spouses, or their friends who aren't super supportive. Um, it's usually not like your friend that's really healthy body weight and that works out four days a week that is like shaming you for not eating a cookie. It's usually your friend that has like some unhealthy behaviors. So uh, that's kind of what I recommend. Is just like your general mindset. I don't think you're going to actually convince your family members that you're not starving yourself if you have a. If you have a huge plate of turkey and potatoes and stuffing and sweet potatoes and half a slice of pumpkin pie, you're definitely not starving yourself, right? So I'm not sure there's a lot of convincing you can do, but I think you can um, change your attitude about it so it doesn't really affect your mentality uh, too much. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I I uh, actually have not dealt with this yet with um, any, of, any of my clients um, but it's just that's such a like foreign idea to me and it's, it's probably because I work in like you know right. a very like exercise nutrition uh, focused space but the idea of like coming down on someone for wanting to like make some positive changes in their life whether it's tied to training or body composition or whatever it is it's just like so unnecessary you know and I think you you hit it spot on with that it's you know, I, I have seen it in my friend group, and I think it stems from people who have insecurities um, tied to their own behaviors that, you know, that's kind of their outlet for handling those insecurities is kind of, you know, I'm going to be negative about this, so I want to bring you into my negativity around this topic. So, right, right. Um, I think, you know, just do you. If you have health goals and you're pursuing them, I think that's awesome. And the right people are going to support you along the way. So right. um, I don't really have anything to add to what you said. Yeah. I think, like you said, if you're having a giant plate of turkey and <laughs> potatoes and some pie, uh, someone calls you out for starving yourself because you don't eat the whole pie. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think there's a, a different conversation you should be having there. So Right, yeah. Yeah, I'd say I get that question, not that question. I, I get, I would say like 20% of my clients, I have heard some variation of that, that a struggle that they have with eating, not just within the context of holidays, but a struggle they have with eating better is that their peer group, again, friends, family, coworkers, is like not just not helping them, is almost like actively trying to get them to stop doing that. Uh, I would say like 20%. I, I hear that quite a way too, way like more than I thought I would. And again, that's because like 
our ecosystem is very much like generally healthy, you know, but we forget that like that's not the norm uh, in like majority of places, you know. Yeah, I you know, it is funny because I do sometimes get grief from my coworkers for uh, the way I eat in the office environment or if we have team lunches. Um, <laughs> we had we had a team lunch last week. And uh, I was going out of town this weekend for a bachelor party, and uh, it was like this this burger joint. And um, what I ended up getting was like this, I got like a, a beet salad with seared tuna and a salmon filet on top. <laughs> and like I added extra protein on top, like custom, custom ordered it, you know? And um, it's funny how even like as a coach, um, I definitely sense that that judgment at times um, myself and uh, it, it can be tricky, but I also know that like what I understand about nutrition and like my goals for myself, like I think that stuff is like my goals specifically are way more important to me than like, you know, one meal with coworkers. So it's right. just, I think keeping the long run in mind and uh, you know, you're making a positive choice by sticking to to your goals. So, yeah, yeah it's weird that has to be a, a issue that we talk about. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, question five. So, um, this was kind of like a longish question. So, stay with me here. But it said, uh, eating at any social gathering with appetizers and stuff, and can uh, kind continued on uh, trying to remember everything I've eaten. Uh, this was the important part of the question. I don't want to be the weirdo on my phone entering stuff on my fitness pal during a party. So I'll start here again, summarizing, eating at social gatherings without trying to be like too OCD with tracking your food and being super healthy, right? So almost kind of the, the opposite of what we just discussed. Um, so this kind of bugs me when I see athletes in the fitness space, whether physique athletes or CrossFitters or whatever, who like take pride in like, I'm going to go to the restaurant, bring my food scale and like order my stuff and weigh it all out and make sure it's perfect. Um, because I, I don't think it sets like a, they're, they're a professional athlete. They can do whatever they want, but when they promote that, I think it sets a very, very bad example for the average person who's following them. Right. Um, cause I think for 99% of people, that is a completely unnecessary thing to do um, in the context of a social gathering. And like you said, like it's for, for, for some people, it can be fine. But um, also for someone, the added stress that that meal is giving them is probably worse for them than the extra few hundred calories they would get from not being so accurate. Right, like if if a, even if an elite athlete was just like, oh, I'm just gonna go have like a burger, and like that psychological decompression for them may be way way better than like trying to go have a burger and worry how much ketchup is on it, right? Even if their macros are perfect, so I really don't like when people do that unless the the one percent would be people who are getting paid to compete in their sport or are in the very ending stages of needing to make like a weight class like if you're a weightlifter or powerlifter i definitely understand that um it would be it would kind of suck if your meet week was the week after thanksgiving that may need to be something you do right or obviously like a physique athlete if you were four or five six weeks out from a show that would be the case 
outside of those things, I think it's actually detrimental to think about that you need a food scale to eat well in a social setting. And if you do feel that way, you probably have not actually learned that much about nutrition through tracking. And you need to reevaluate if tracking is actually serving you. Because if you're working with someone, you're just doing it on your own, and you have done it for a few months, and you can't estimate what four ounces of meat looks like or what one cup of starchy carbs looks like for one meal, then you're just not really paying attention or you're not being taught the proper things about flexible dieting. Um, so kind of what this is kind of what Jesse mentioned earlier about um, my general recommendation for people in this setting. Uh, so say if you have like a work event or even for Thanksgiving um, is to just essentially leave a bolus of calories for that event and then just don't worry about it. So say like if, you, if you're if you a female and you're eating 2,000 calories per day, um, if it's an actual like meal, I probably would leave something around like four to 600 calories for that. If it's more just like food here and there, maybe a little bit less, but let's say it's a, a decent sized meal. Um, if you're eating 2,000 calories per day, I would tell you to, and it's a work event on a Wednesday, eat 1,500 calories before that work event go to that work event, eat reasonably healthy, make a good decision, don't sweat it, get back on track the next day. So you're allocating a chunk of calories there. Maybe you're a little bit under or a little bit over, but one meal in the context of a week or in the context of a month is nothing, right? And again, the, the small possible benefit you would get from weighing out your food there is probably gonna be weighed, out, weighed off by the psychological stress of doing that. So about, again, about 500 calories for women. I think men should probably be in that seven to 800 calories range for an event like that. And again, leave room, go eat, do the next day. Don't make it too stressful for yourself. Would be kind of my opinion on uh, trying not to be the weirdo entering your stuff on my fitness pal, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the whole idea with flexible dieting is building something that you know is um is flexible for situations like this and if you have the nutritional awareness um to understand what carbohydrate sources look like what fat sources look like what protein sources look like and um you can bank some calories for the event throughout the day i think you're going to set yourself up for uh, success with one little event at the end of the day um i think you covered most of it one thing i guess i would add is just like the uh the times that I've been out for work events and there's been appetizers laying around, um, I tend to just gravitate more towards appetizers that uh, would be, I, I guess, sources where I, I'm less confused by what the ingredients may be in it. Like if it's like this big queso dip, I'm less inclined to really go after that. Uh, we had a work event a few weeks ago and there was like uh, these beef tips with like a horseradish like dipping sauce on the side. So like just, you know, recognizing even with the appetizers that are out, like what are some of the better choices I can make? And then maybe going back to the, you know, um, uh, eat what you love, leave what you like type mindset here where it's like, okay, you know, if there's beef tips, for example, I know I can have a good amount of those without really destroying um, my caloric bank and then having a little side of like the queso dip, for example, um, to just keep it in the right balance. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think like, 
I'm not a big fan of like paleo in general because I think there's no reason to like not have milk or not have whatever beans, whatever they say you can't have. Um, but looking at like if you're looking for like a one meal, super simple way to like make food decisions, if you eat like meat, vegetables, fruit, it's really hard to overconsume calories in that context. I think that's a great idea long term because like who doesn't want to have like oatmeal the rest of their life? But in the context of one meal, that can be a really like simple uh, way to at least start off building a plate, you know. Um, all right. Question six. I'll let you head this one. So it is uh, eating at airports was the particular question. And we also had a few other just follow ups about like traveling on the road Um things like that so what would you kind of say you know going to see the in-laws away for a few days and in the airports uh what are some tips and tricks you have there yeah i mean i feel like this is uh pretty fresh in my mind since i've traveled a decent amount in the last um, month or two uh i mean i think it just ties to anytime i go out to eat um i I try to really keep protein a focus so uh when i was in the airport uh recently they didn't have that many options but they had this um like makeshift sandwich shop where you could build your own sandwich uh and i just doubled up on like turkey and roast beef on it and then added all the veggie toppings and um i just knew that i got a lot of protein and it was like a very like solid dense meal um so when i'm traveling um and I'm going out to eat, that's kind of a focus I have is just like building my meals around a protein source. Uh, and then I think the other part of the question was just like around keeping protein on the road. Um, you know, obviously it's not <laughs> ideal to be uh, carrying around like a little freezer with like frozen chicken breast or whatever it is. Uh, so I think like, one thing that I like to do is I, I will pack uh, protein powders with me when I travel or even protein bars. Um, there's like a meat shop that's by my house where I'll buy uh, some beef jerky, just things that I know that like won't go bad when I'm traveling um, for an extended period of time and something that's also really quick and easy on the run, you know, so if I'm moving around a lot throughout the day, I can throw a quick scoop of protein in a shaker uh, or I can, you know, put a little Ziploc bag full of beef jerky in my pocket, like things that are really easy where I don't have to like sit down and like have a meal uh, are the things that I gravitate to um, when I travel. Yeah, that, that's uh, pretty much what I would tell someone as well. Uh, I talk about protein. So I talk about like protein and fiber to like almost everybody because I think that's a, you know, if you're looking at two things, it really can make a lot of other things go correct just by getting those two things uh, correct. I think protein and fiber is a great place to start. Um, so yeah, protein bars, protein shakes, really the only thing that I do pack with me when I do travel. And then one other thing that I'm not great on, but I can notice a difference when I travel is like fluid or just water. Um, again, one of the bigger signals to your body that you've like had food or, or that you are full is like the distension in your stomach and obviously water or foods that are high in water, like fruits and vegetables, um, make your stomach a little bit more distended. So you can really prevent hunger cravings during traveling, especially if you have like long layovers and you're on the airplane or whatever, by just making sure you're having a lot of fluid throughout your day. 
And obviously it's easy to forget that when you're not in the same routine as you are when you're at work or when you're training and all of those things. So I would say that along with protein and any fiber you can find, uh, water would be a huge one too that could be a game changer as far as just delaying that hunger so you don't have to like get to that 10 out of 10 hunger where you're like, whatever, I'm just gonna get like a bagel because I can't stand it anymore. Uh, fluid and water can help uh, quite a bit to that too. Yeah, I, I always feel like, uh, you know, you mentioned that you always stress fiber and protein. <laughs> I feel like such a bro with like how often it's just like, yeah, I just like protein has got to be a focus, you know, like yeah. wherever you go, protein, protein, protein. <laughs> and uh, like, I just think that word, um, you know, that the way people typically take it in is like with bodybuilders and protein shakes and that's how they associate it, you know? So it's like, it's kind of, it's it's kind of funny sometimes just like how important protein is but like how people interpret it when they hear the word protein so yeah it's uh maybe i'm just i love it so much i don't really hear that or i tend not to hear that but like i said it's just i i tell people this a lot if i had to give someone like elevator pitch how to improve my diet without obviously tracking or, or doing something like that it's just to eat more protein because i think it makes you it like it's the most it is the most satiating macronutrient right it's going to prevent you from getting hungry and i think there are really two reasons why people make bad food decisions and it's like a psychological emotional response to something um or it's because they're really hungry and they don't have access to healthy food right um right. those are really like the reasons right it's like you said, if you <laughs> go eat a pound of chicken breast and then go put like desserts in front of you and like it doesn't seem as appealing, right? It just doesn't, right? It, it doesn't mean you won't still eat it, but you definitely won't eat as much and you may not want to eat it at all versus like if you skip breakfast and you see donuts in the office, it's a lot easier to make that decision. So obviously there's willpower that we all have somewhat control over, but you can either like stack the cards in your favor or you can like make it really hard on yourself. And I think eating more protein is a great way just to stack the stack the deck in your favor of of not eating poor foods throughout the day, you know. Yeah. All right, this is uh seven and seventh and final. This isn't really a question, but we have a resource for them. So um, question seven was how to make all the cookies and goodies guilt-free. And we sort of interpreted this as, you know, how to make maybe lower calorie baked goods, desserts, things like that. Um, so I would say, you know, in general, if it's in the context of just Thanksgiving, just Christmas, like just have whatever cookies or goodies you want. Again, one day is not going to kill you. But if you're the person that's like really festive and you like in the fall and the winter baking and cooking a lot, again, it's it's going to be more frequent, then that would be the time where trying to do lower calorie options can be a great um, resource for you. So one person that I've followed the past month or so, I may be mispronouncing his name, but is Mason Woodruff on Instagram. I think that's his website as well. If you search kinda healthy recipes on Instagram, you'll find his stuff. He doesn't just do baked goods, but I've noticed the past month or so he has like some protein-ish cookies and some like s'more Oreo ball looking like protein balls and things like that. Um, I've also just tried some of his like general uh, recipes like 
baked pasta dishes and some breakfast things and he's amazing and he has all of like his macros listed on there um there's always good good resources for people on the internet with with recipes if you actually can look for them but i'm really happy i found like a singular guy that like posts a lot of content and it a lot of the meals are exactly what you think they would be they're kind of healthy recipes right um like it may be a dish that has like 10 grams of fat and 40 carb and 33 grams of protein like again not just chicken breast and broccoli but also not like a chicken fried steak it's somewhere in between where you can have a really good meal as long as you control the portion size it's probably going to fit within your macros so i would check out again mason woodruff on instagram as at least the best recent resource i've found for for making lower sugar you know uh, cookies a little bit lower fat substitutions and things like that and you don't want to just make it plain right you don't want to i've made i tried to make some protein brownies in college once for some friends and like everybody was like I'm not eating this. Like it was, it was so bad. Cause it was only just like protein powders and baking soda, some flour and like baked it. Like it was so gross. Um, yeah. They were like fat free, you know, like you don't want to be making those sort of goodies. If that's the case, then just like don't eat goodies. Um, so I'm pretty confident this Mason guy can make some, some pretty good tasting alternatives. If you want to check him out again, Mason Woodruff, W O O D R U F F on Instagram. So, yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that are putting out macro-friendly recipes, and um, even though that's not necessarily like my style, I'm not really one that bakes crazy things all the time. I'm more of a simple guy when it comes to eating um, foods. But another one I'd add to that is flexible dieting lifestyle. That's another guy that makes um, all sorts of creations that uh, tend to be overall lower in calories but uh, uh, yeah so I think it's just good to find one of these pages that you know tends to put out good content like this and just give those a shot um, purely in the context of like how do I like still manage you know uh, a sweet tooth uh, while keeping calories in check one other thing that i would add is like this isn't necessarily like a festive treat but one thing that um carly and i do a lot is we'll do whipped cream with uh berries so like raspberries strawberries chop them all up put some whipped cream over the top and then shave some dark chocolate over the top of that and like that is definitely um a great way to curb a sweet tooth in my opinion without you know destroying uh, your calories with like a pint of Ben and Jerry's on top of like a baked double chocolate chip cookie, you right. know? So, um, just find a page that lines up with things that look good or incorporate some random snacks that are lower in calories that still curb that sweet tooth. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do the same, like, uh, kind of indulgent. I will just like get ice cream from time to time. Um, but like an indulgent thing for me is always like a fat-free uh, vanilla Greek yogurt is like a base and then just doing kind of whatever I want in there. Like some, sometimes I'll put like a nut butter. Sometimes I'll put a little bit of granola, um, sometimes some fruit like blueberries, strawberries. Um, so it can be like a crunch. It can be sweet with some fruit. Um, again, like fruit is naturally sweet. So it, it's, it's pretty easy to get uh, a similar feeling to that, uh, you know, sweet tooth with, with, whole foods and not uh stuff that's too high in sugar so uh yeah guys that's it those were the seven questions we picked out really appreciate everybody that 
entered stuff in and asked us questions. Um, Jesse, any other final things before we go? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, hopefully that helps out. And, uh, you know, we're always here to answer questions if you need help navigating the holidays or just uh, need some guidance with uh, some of the nutrition questions that you have. Yeah. Do you actually remember your Instagram title or your Instagram tag today? Oh, yes. It's Jesse underscore Hill three. Yeah. Last episode, yeah, he did not know at that it. social media thing. <laughs> yeah, he knows Instagram. So, uh, yeah, his, his Instagram is Jesse underscore Hill three. Uh, you can follow my page, I guess, just at Myobrain, where you can find all of our information. Again, uh, for anybody interested in online coaching, you can visit uh, myobrain.co. If you have any general questions about our online coaching, if it's right for you, um, more information, you can always email me directly directly at myobraincoaching at gmail.com. Uh, we'll probably post this one early on in the week, about a week and a half before Thanksgiving, and then I'll make a solo, very quick episode on sort of like, here's the game plan we recommend for Thanksgiving, quick five-minute episode uh, to help people out as well. So hopefully these two discussions can help you guys. If you have any follow-up questions, again, you can shoot us a direct message on Instagram, um, uh, either Jesse or at Myobrain. So that is it. Jesse, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Greg.